From the Dub Lab Studios in Virgil Village, California, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. In the studio today, from Yozis Racist and this show, Andrew T. Two shows. <laughs> Twice the, you're on more than that. Look, I'm the best podcast guest. <laughs> You can have <laughs> the eternal podcast guest. I, th- I you're good. the infinite guest. Yeah, I because it's I I was on. I'm gonna be on two podcasts this week. Two of other people's podcasts this week, not including this one. OPP. Yeah. And on the other side of the table, trivial psychic. You're gonna leave the coffee in the cab. Molly Lambert. OPP again. <laughs> That's, is that your response? If that is your, to whatever call, your eternal response is OPP. <laughs> I, that's not even the response to that song, is it? It's, yeah, you know me. God, God. It's I, not like I a rejoinder. Believe. It's not like, hey, yeah. like OPP finger guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to do the first part of a chant. <laughs> yeah, no matter when. What do we want? No, I just, totally just go walking. to the what do we want, yeah. What do you want, OPP, when you want it, OPP. <laughs> I am zonked <laughs> because Andrew T, series regular Andrew T, brought us. Uh, what, what is this actually? What am I drinking? The sh- Shamrock Mocha from an unnamed Scottish-themed fast food restaurant. That's right, from McDougal's. They don't. They don't get the free. They don't get the shout. For no, free. pay us. Gotta pay us for that. It's kind of get like that a grimace. For real, it's like a menthol hot cocoa. It's very yeah. Delicious. <laughs> We're drinking. And we are drinking the Newports of. Ter- of quite, quite su- not too sweet, but quite gross coffee. Very chemically. I don't know why you did this, but I feel great right now. I was in line, and I was like, "Well, I can't go in without getting everyone one of these insane novelty drinks." I'm pretty tired because I was really worried about waking up because I don't have a phone right now. So oh. I was using a different alarm, and I was like, "What if it doesn't wake me up?" So you were up late thinking about. The morning. Just every time I woke up, I was like, is it morning? Is it time? Is it four? Yeah, it's like Do you use a clock radio? Uh, I thought about going out and buying one. I was like, that's what people uh, did yeah, in the olden this, days. Yeah. What alarm did you use? Uh, did used... you set a, uh, a like a kitchen um, a timer on your stove no, for eight I hours? No, d- I discovered my new favorite website, which is, uh, like I think it's alarmclock.com. <laughs> what do they do there? <laughs> well, Just like news it's and a analysis. combination alarm clock and white noise machine. So it gives you white noise machine options such as fireplace, yeah, uh, rain, that's yeah. a good one, and then just some non-sound having ones like lava lamp. This is something only '90s kids will understand. But when I used to have a clock radio to wake me up in the morning for school, the only thing I could do, or no, I because I I found that music and news were both like too. I was able too to sl- sleep through them. So yeah, the, I would just have Howard Stern dreams. Uh, you know, yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. It, it, just, it would just penetrate your mind, and like you'd be like, w- like in a yeah. conversation yeah. with like Baba Booey. No need to wake up. Yeah. My uh, hack for that, you got to put the turn it way up, of course, but then put the um, the station right between two stations <laughs> to get like this mind bending terror mix. <laughs> that should wake you up real quick. Anyway, literally advice or for not one person. Give you crazy anymore. nightmares, I would yeah. imagine. Or both. That was I had a I had a, a similar notion. I was like, do you think there's like a YouTube page that has like 
or or I guess like a porn site that has like <laughs> scrambled porn from the nineties from that tiny window when no, that's when kids, that came. Tomorrow's children won't understand. Yeah. That's our micro generation. I there's no way to explain that, but I always talk about that joke in American well. Pie, like makes no sense to anyone now. About like changing the channel. Oh yeah, yeah. Your mom comes in because yeah. you're watching scrambled porn. Just uh just but watch it on the internet. Just like drop your phone does. face. Just throw your phone <laughs> face down, and you'll never get caught. There's got to be scrambled porn, though. It's like an aesthetic. There's uh, yeah. It's like an Instagram filter. That's got. I'm just saying that's got to be someone's fetish. Possibly yes. mine. I actually don't know. I guess it could be mine. It might be the person who brought it, a long time. it up on a podcast. Like, Do you think it's mine? Be... I think you might just be into like being between channels of things. Oh, yeah. Right. I like static. Static <laughs> is the only thing that soothes my mind. Static fetishist. My soothing. unwell mind. I like that, static. That is a very Cronenbergian uh, uh, thing. Damn. Transition. Uh, throwing to the dead zone, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Molly, you watched the dead zone in uh, this uh, very dead zony historical moment, and you wanted us to talk about it. And I was, I'd seen it before, but I was sort of taken aback by... The, the oddness of the, how much I don't recommend watching it right now, basically. Well, um, I watched it. I didn't know what it was about. I watched it because I've been going to Amoeba a lot to clean out the VHS section and just buy random things. Because mm-hmm. I also just enjoy like having to choose from s- concrete options instead of having every option in the world online. Uh, and I was like, oh, the dead zone. I want to watch this. Never seen the movie. Didn't even realize it was Cronenberg until I put it on. So you watched The Dead Zone on VHS this week? Uh, might be DVD. Okay. Cheapy DVD. Fair enough. And we'll also be talking about a crazy documentary that you... This is, this is both Molly recommendations this week. Uh, the Curse of the Man Who Saw UFOs, which I watched last night and really loved. Um, and we got, we're, um, we're going to big up that movie because came out in 2016 i just i looked up the director and he has like 74 followers on twitter so like this is going to be you know we're the the rare occasion where oh, north whoa. hollywood will blow you up after this break we'll be right back dead zone guys dead zone david cronenberg's the dead zone starring christopher the walken DZ. Yeah, so I watched this movie not knowing really what it was about, except that it was like a Stephen King thing, um, mm-hmm. and just one I had never seen, and I went through a big period of watching Stephen King miniseries a couple years ago, uh, knocking them all out, so I was like, let's just do this one. Uh, and then it was like so wildly on point for what's happening. Too on point. <laughs> Like the second hour, like the first hour, you could be lulled into a false sense of escapism. And then the really second just... hour, like many Stephen King stories, goes global. Stephen oh, King... right. Like why? Right, right, right. That's a good. I never thought of Stephen King in that regard. Well, it's like he makes Wait, up a crazy what, universe. Can you and tell then he's the like, listeners? Now it's affecting the whole world. Can you tell the listeners and also maybe me what <laughs> The Dead Zone is about? The Dead Zone is about Christopher Walken. Uh, has psychic powers from apparently a, a prologue that was cut <laughs> where we see how he got a bump on his head. He gets in a car accident and then he's a psychic and then he's basically like a psychic detective yeah. where he can touch people and see what is happening or going to happen to them. Yeah, you can see their future. Or in one case, their past. Unclear. But it's fine. The, the, the doctor, he's like, oh, your mom didn't die in the concentration camps? 
Yeah, I think maybe that. Ugh. Pretty <laughs> intense. Uh, yeah, it was a mad intense movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in the second hour, Martin Sheen shows up and he's a charismatic rube who wants to become president and is a senator or something. His name is Stilson. And everybody's like, Stilson, he's a man of the people, but also of the rich people. He's for the young and the old. He speaks to everyone. And then he turns out to be a psychopath. Uh, and you straight up, I believe, see him going to Camp David or something and having some kind of crazy Illuminati nuclear war conversation with Russia. Oh, he he hits he, he the the premonition is he's just going to do the nuclear war. Yeah, yeah, you see him hit. You see basically he's just going yeah, to do it. The, uh, Christopher Walken sees him hitting the button and then has to decide what to do. We probably shouldn't. For those of you who are not going to have not seen the Dead Zone, we should probably not explain. No full spoilers. That's a full. That's not the full spoiler, but that's the you know that is the, nearly uh, full spoilers. But that's the part of it that's crazy because he just he just gets it in his head. That's the part we want to talk about, right? <laughs> or do we want to talk... Can I ask one question? Yeah. Because I'm not as much of a, a pre-1995 cinema head as you guys are. <laughs> uh, in this movie, like many movies from that era, was it 83, 84, yeah. something like that? Um, it's that real early 80s. Where 70s. it still looks... 80s, that still looks like 70s. Yeah. Um, is Chris and and so, but this is also before Christopher Walken was Christopher Walken. Like, is he supposed to seem normal like he plays it in the fucking first act? I mean, that's a question about Christopher Walken, I think. <laughs> or Cronenberg, I guess. Yeah. This guy seems like average man. <laughs> it's like it has that shining problem where you want to cast the weird guy for the part where he becomes weird, but then he has to be weird. He's just he can't help being weird right. the entire time. It's like, weirder when he's trying to be normal. Right. Yeah. When he's like dressed like Harry Potter in the beginning. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like a grown up sad Harry Potter. He's got the sweater vest on and everything. But like, yeah, looking at it through today's lens, he looks like. A guy who looks like Christopher Walken killed the guy who was supposed to be in this movie, and no one was, everyone was too scared to say anything, and it just like let, they let it go. Well, yeah, it's cool because then when Martin Sheen shows up, you're like, wow, somebody going even bigger than Christopher Walken <laughs> in this movie to make Christopher Walken seem like the down to earth everyman. Right. I guess that's just, that's what casting's all about. Martin Sheen, <laughs> re- I was it. real aware in this movie that he is Charlie Sheen's father. He looks so much like him. He looks so much like him, and he... I don't feel like he plays a lot of evil guys. No, that's what's weird to watch him play an evil president if you are accustomed to thinking of him as, you know, liberal hero Jed Bartlett. Uh, it's weird that he that this is how he... This was his first uh, chief executive was, like, completely on the other end. I was wondering if, like, he thinks about it that way, if, like, guys who... Like, we had John Levenstein on here a while ago talking about, like, how he's always playing judges on TV and, like, he's gotten really into, like, the judge mindset. Like, does Martin Sheen, like, you know, think of himself as, like, I got to balance the portrayal of presidents in my yo, I Uber. wish Martin Sheen was the president. <laughs> Listen, it could happen. It, it would only take. He's like seventy fourth in line. I say, think. Yeah, the seven succession. or eight things. Yeah, Betsy DeVos is like eleventh, and then like uh, Martin Sheen is like is like five hundred. <laughs> Look, if we're just voting for people based on that they were on TV once, <laughs> yeah, and seem like some version of a president slash. Probably kind of abusive dad. <laughs> I might vote for Mar- no, for. No, he's uh, a good dad. I might vote for Walken. I would vote for Walken. I would vote. I just keep thinking about all the people I would rather have be president. And it's literally like anybody. 
like a kangaroo would yeah. be cool. Yeah. The young Pope's kangaroo. Young Pope's kangaroo. Did you just make a young Pope joke without having watched the young Pope? Yeah, isn't are that you the just, whole thing about are the you young just Pope? you drafting off my young Pope love? The kangaroo is very important. The kangaroo like symbolizes his childhood and his heart, kind of. <laughs> You just, you guys just watch the goddamn young pope. Not gonna happen, so we can Alex. do it. You got, you have I to. I could making you angry and then explain it. <laughs> um, so here's, here's something <laughs> I thought was really interesting Jude about Law. the dead zone this time. I'm, I'm a Stephen King nerd. I had forgotten all about this. That the dead zone is, as a novel, it is the first book. It's like the core of the interconnected Stephen King universe because it mentions Castle Rock. And there's a scene in the movie where Tom Skerritt shows up and he's like, we got, we got to help us sell this crime in Castle Rock. And like, that's the town from it. It's the town from Needful Things. It's like all and like I got real deep into this as I was watching this movie. Like I found a map of the interconnections of the Stephen King universe that it's all like this guy is like the traffic cop here and then he dies in this one. Like people are getting their, you know, different people get their head, heads cut off. Um, I was sort of fascinated by that because I'd completely forgotten that all of the Stephen King books are connected. I straight up watched it because I was like, this will take my mind off things. And then I just started like <laughs> laughing at how wrong I was at a certain point. And then I was like, oh, there's a canon of like movies about don't elect a folksy guy because he'll turn out to be a crazy person or uh, something like that. And uh, and then there was a just a wild, wild ass press conference yesterday. Yeah. Oh, so you right? You watched that before, and then uh-huh. walked into this. Yeah, the the Lonesome Roads press conference. <laughs> wow. I probably watched the movie, but I I just because I knew we were watching it for information purposes, I skimmed skimmed read thoroughly the Wikipedia for the movie before I started watching it because I was like, look, I just want I don't want to miss anything. So I was probably watching the Twitter reaction to the press conference as the movie was on <laughs> for me, which was fine. It was fine. <laughs> Not alarming. It it's fine. like um it's like a good guy taxi driver. It's well that like, was what I was gonna say. Yeah, gotta assassinate a politician, but yep. you have to. It's in that it's in that same genre though of like these you know the, the, those because like, he thinks he's of himself. Travis Bickle thinks of himself as a good guy assassin as well. You know, that he's only, he's doing what Don't he Don't all assassins. Yeah, every, every assassin thinks they're a good guy. By the way, there is a conspiracy theory that Stephen King killed John Lennon um, out there. And what, because so he like wears the glasses? Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things. But look, the first line of this is like, but why? <laughs> uh, that's the part that they don't know, uh, which, we'll, which we'll get to. For inspiration. Yeah. I mean, honestly, killing John Lennon, the answer is, uh, why not? Fuck off. You know, you know what I'm saying? Come on. Not mean. Whoever, whoever killed John Lennon, fuck you. We, we don't know who it is. Yeah, we do, guys. <laughs> we totally know who it is. I uh, don't know. I'm just now, now I'm looking at pictures of the two nope, of them. No, nope. no, no. Okay, so the dead zone. Uh, but so the dead zone is really at its heart. And then they talk about this a lot as they break into the third act. Would you kill Hitler? It's just a would you kill Hitler yeah, it turns into that, which again, didn't know that's what the movie was about at all. So then I was like, I'm going to, it follows this onto uh-huh. you guys. Uh-huh. So you have to think about it too. And also it's that Stephen King thing where the title is actually sort of like a weird reference. It's like not the most obvious. You could title it a lot of things that would give you more of an idea of what it's about mm-hmm. than the dead zone. Like I thought when the, he first came back from his first attack or whatever that he was going to be dead. 
I had also recently watched Flatliners for the first time, which is maybe why I thought that. Right, right. Like, it would make sense if he died and then came back with psychic powers. Yeah, but it's like, Stephen no, Stephen King, just kinda... you fucking hack. Why didn't you make <laughs> Just like The Shining is like the, the most difficult to explain part of The Shining. Well, it's weird. It seems like it was reverse engineered from the title. Also, the Dead Zone it seems like that's a good title, and then you work your way back. You know, yeah. like, but like, what is like the Deadpool? The Dead in Deadpool? No, the Deadpool in the 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 uh, uh, Dirty Harry movie. It's like the fifth oh. Dirty Harry movie. That's where that phrase comes from. But I can't remember who who's in the Deadpool. <laughs> the Dead Zone is like the part of his psychic memory that might not have happened yet, or something. It's the part he can't see. Right. Yeah, it's his That's a blind bad spot. name for it because it's well, it's yeah, not. But... It's not the it's it's fate's blind spot because it's like that's the only that's the dead zone in the inevitability of fate is what he sees is the thing you can change. How cool of a name is the dead zone, though? It is really cool. It's like it's like the fill zone. Yeah, it is like the maybe that's where the fill zone comes probably from the twilight zone. Fill zone comes from the twilight zone, <laughs> but it's yeah. Uh, but um, I think yeah, I think maybe just because I've also been trying to like see the future a lot, which you can't. Uh, but yeah, you can't. Don't worry I about it, Molly. Get. Uh, but, you know, thinking about, like, wouldn't it be cool if you could know that the future would turn out okay and that this portion of history will seem eventually funny mm-hmm. or just, you know, comical in some way as opposed to just terrifying? Right. You just got to live long enough, I guess. Yeah. That's right. why I, I said this in a conversation kind of recently, which is, like, everyone's grandpa survived the landing at Normandy. Uh because if they didn't, they didn't get to become a grandpa. You know what I mean? Like True. it's it's just like the the story. Yeah, but you'll also tell. not all of my relatives survived. No, no, I know, but you know the what I mean. Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, but so. it's it's like the the people that are around to continue to project the story forward eventually get to a place where like yeah, it was fine. We all survived, but it's like yeah, you only survived because it's. I mean, it's the same way that people are like the Reagan era. We all survived the Reagan era, and it's like no, yeah, tons of people didn't. Yeah, lot, so many people didn't. All the good people didn't. Coming up next, UFOs. I, I tried sure to watch an Irish sitcom yesterday <laughs> called Bridget and Eamon. Oh. <laughs> it takes place in the eighties. I couldn't understand any of the cultural references. Except what are you talking about? Football, fruit machine, the doll. No, there's skag. one. The big hilarious joke is that Bridget has her friends over and a package comes and they open it and it's full of condoms and everybody's <laughs> horrified. <laughs> that's fair. It's a Catholic country. That's like getting that's like getting like uh a whole box of uh, DVD scrambled porn delivered like right to your door. Um, let's start that that birch box. Scram <laughs> <laughs> box. When you're not watching Irish sitcoms, how did you come to be watching the the Curse of the Man Who Saw UFOs? Well, also this our... week is a double Molly Lambert episode, and it shows because shit is weird. <laughs> We're in deep Netflix territory. Yeah, deep Netflix, the deep web, <laughs> the deep state of the deep web. Deep flicks. Deep flicks. Well, I always look on Hulu because Hulu has the weird movies. Hulu has, uh, it's like going to the weird video store. And then mm-hmm. Netflix is more like going to Blockbuster. 
Uh, but sometimes Netflix has weird stuff, and this was on Netflix, and I just looked at it and said, this looks interesting. It's called Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. I sees or saw. Saw. I guess, I guess since we're recommending it, yeah, we should, we should probably, probably look it up the title. Curse, curse of um, the Man Who Looks for UFOs? No, it's not. Uh, curse of the yeah, Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs. Yeah, I'll, I'll pretty much watch any documentary about UFOs because I'm an idiot. How I, did you? So you you this came across this you yeah you came across this under a just a Netflix browse. Yeah, and I mean I've just been I've been sort of going deep on Alex Jones recently. Sure, uh, good man. Because he's fascinating <laughs> and courageous man. So so nutty. Hates I watched... Muslims even though they didn't do 9-11. Yeah, he's like his own conspiracy theories contradict each other. Yes. Like wildly. It's one of those things where I'm like, do you believe any of these things? Just, or have skin you... is so taut. <laughs> I just hate it. Just... Or have you crafted this persona because it's doing yeah. well for you? Face like a timpani. <laughs> I oh, okay sorry. No no keep going. He's he's he he's sucks. a bad man I think. But we were talking about like he's friends with like uh, Mike Judge and Richard Linklater. Oh, because they're all in Austin. Yeah, and he clearly used to be maybe like just sort of a kooky local, and he's then he in got Slacker. He's like one of the yeah. weirdos walking around in Slacker and waking. He's in Waking Life as a cartoon, I believe. But I could see it because it's and like... now he's in real life as a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I knew a lot of people who were really into Coast to Coast. AM, which is like the, you know, a conspiracy theory radio show. And I was sort of like, why are conspiracy theorists conservative so much of the time? They don't have a monopoly on having crazy conspiracies. And then this documentary was sort of about a... Wait, sorry, Molly, this goes back to one of my early appearances on this goddamn show when I said, I feel that secretly conspiracy thinking makes you right wing well and you disagreed no, with me no, I, maybe I, well i was thinking like why is that true you know yeah. like uh considering that a lot of conspiracy theories come out of like i took acid and then i understood that the universe has woolly mammoths inside of it <laughs> mm -hmm. that are running on a hamster wheel mm -hmm. uh, it's mammoths all the way down it's mammoths and all up. the way and up uh, so this documentary was about sort of like a cool UFO guy. So his name's Cristo Ropolo, and he you gradually find out over the course of this movie, like he he's obviously he he reminds me of many like record store clerks, yes. and rock critics, mm -hmm. and people like that that I have known. You're like this is a this is a type of person that I recognize, and it turns out that before. His, he started seeing UFOs. He was in, he's a f uh, filmmaker. He's made two movies. He's like made horror movies. Uh, he was in an industrial band called MPAA. Oh, you did. Oh, that's all <laughs> in the movies. I Which stands for, yeah. Research. Yeah, no, I just read it. Yeah, what does it stand for? He's in a band called MPAA. It stands for My Prick Against Your Ass. Oh, which yeah. Is that's very right. industrial. <laughs> it's like he's like, you know, in, he's up there with like his synthesizer, sort of, it sounds like, you know, Pale Head or whatever. Um, and like has a sushi roll named after him at the sushi place. Like it's very much like like I enjoyed this on several levels, including just like as a Monterey pure study yeah, of Californianness. Yeah, because right. like him and his friend who are driving around looking at UFOs, they're kind of like Walter and the Dude a little yeah. bit. Yeah, like, has that vibe too. It's a little it. bit like mm. American movie style too, where you're right. just like these guys are just obsessed with their thing and like their goals are not that crazy. 
their goals are to like see some UFOs. Right. Um, and it also is all framed that the documentarian basically was broke and picked up this job helping this guy go through his UFO tapes and then was like, I want to see who this person is whose UFO tapes I'm helping to sort and went up and started making the documentary about him, which then my brain now works in a way where I was like, is this staged? I have to find out right. if this is all staged. This is me being an old man, but like the new, I don't know if it's millennial or vice inspired like thing of documentarians making themselves a character or oh, journalists making new. themselves a character. That's some Sherman's March. Don't give vice no, that's credit true. for that. Looking don't, ass. Don't no, give. but like the, 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 on, on a, documentary thing making them I, I guess that's true right it's just the we never that's saw just how the journalism guy it wasn't as, as right, intrusively right. about him as i thought it might be at first it ends up just being kind of i mean it's not as much about it's not really about are ufos real or yeah. does this guy really see ufos as it's just about like this guy's weird family history yeah somebody who has right. a, an obsession that's derailed their life and that they've poured everything into because their their own situation is really messed up and dark he has a crazy family history he has this he, uh, he had a fiance who passed away and he has a synthesizer made custom made with old Amiga chips and the image of her eyes on it in a painting done by her dad, which is like the most romantic. I was going to say, I, I thought that was my life. It was so romantic. And when they brought up that he has like the dead fiance at first, I was like, uh Oh, did he kill her or something? Yeah. And then instead it's like, no, she got cancer and his family like stiffed him on the money that he stiffed him on his inheritance. Basically his like brother embezzled all of his money. And then, yeah, it, yeah, it's, I just, yeah. I just feel like there was one layer of investigation more. I would have liked. Well, there were a few things that they just kind of like totally brush off. Like there's a point where they're like, Oh, and there's a military base over there. This is what's crazy about this movie. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's a flaw of the movie as much as it's a flaw of this guy's thinking that like, I don't, even care i was just like i want to like spend time with this person and i don't actually care whether like ufos are real oh no no i enjoyed it for that it just made me think about like like th this type of of ufo person in general it's like the thing of like you're not the, the lack of curiosity about aliens coupled with the obsession with seeing the little thing in the sky but there's no sort of like oh how why is this happening who's driving the ship like does that mean we're not alone in the universe it's entirely about just the ufos themselves which i thought was so like train spotting in the old sense of train spotting and great like mm. the of guys who write down the numbers of trains in england not like right, right. he seems like to think that the ufos are aware of him there's like a couple times where he's like oh they're recognizing us they're telling us that like they know that we're watching there's that moment it's like this is obviously why he decided to make the movie the documentarian the guy who edited the videos like watched the videos and made the movie and like because he narrates the the uh, Rapolo like narrates and there's one moment where he literally he sounds like David Frick talking about like a really amazing dead show you know he's like they were just taking me for 23 <laughs> minutes to a place where they could show me all of their primo shit yeah yeah the coolest UFO guy I've ever personal. I mean, I just, I just loved him. And yeah, he reminded me of so many uh -huh. record store guys and so many like specifically of a weird yeah. uh, coffee shop guy. Camera guy, camera store guys. Yeah. How I like think a, of our a guitar guy, store guys. a guy who was in an industrial band and who had all these weird tattoos and was also like the nicest guy, but he had mm. these like terrifying tattoos, you know, <laughs> that were like a face getting stepped on and stuff like that. Yeah. But you were just like, Oh, you're a kind of a sweetheart. I think I, think I was, I, I was out on the 
the filmmaker as soon as he started narrating, and that kind of colored the rest of the movie for me. Well, I didn't, I didn't mind that. I mean, he just seemed like a dork, but yeah. Well, he did the thing. He didn't oh. do like like an annoying narrator voice or anything. It seemed kind no. of amateurish, which again is why yeah. I was like, "Is this staged? I have to find out." Uh, to me, it's uh, the thing I hate most is when journalists. And not that this guy did this. I was actually thinking more when I was... when journalists put themselves in the story? No, when they think that journalism is the key to all knowledge. The, the most egregious example of this from recently is the first season of Serial. Well, fuck that. Which I hated so much. I mean, I hated the, the kind of like weird, gross race stuff yeah. for, around can we, it. Can we say, though, that like not all investigative journalism... No, no. That well, that's why I'm, that's why I was trying to say <laughs> like I feel like there's this strain of like the journalism where you insert yourself and then the journalist acts well, like that's Gay Talese's fault, but <laughs> I don't think it's always bad. No, no, no. I know, but I think that... it's also annoying when people pretend to be objective. Object- yeah, yeah. But that's what this started to feel. But it's to me, it's not that. It's to me, it's the the implicit cheerleading for the concept of journalism or documentary making that I felt a little bit in this. The William Eggleston documentary was one of the worst at that. I was so mad at that. And uh, cereal. I hated cereal. This reminded me how much I hated cereal. Documentaries are either made by really broke people or really rich people. Mm -hmm. And there's no in-between. Right. There's no middle class of documentaries. That's either somebody who can't afford to do anything Right. Uh, and is selling their shoelaces to make money to buy more film. Or somebody who's like, you know, a scion of some famous family and somehow has a documentary. And that's like the Robert Durst guy, right? Oh, the, with the sideburns? Yeah. I want to, yeah. I, He's I'm, like I'm a, rich, really just... a rich kid. And mm-hmm. he's from like a family of rich kids who make uh, documentaries. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, this didn't bother me that much. What I thought was interesting about it was the sort of like decision to go all in with Christo and then at a certain point maybe regretting that decision. There's like the point towards the end where Christo really flips out on him mm-hmm. because he like makes the UFOs go away or something. There's you, a point where you're like, now you're trapped in a room with this guy who but, like might be dangerous. It's or not, well, crazy. he just freaks out because he gets he gets mad because there is it's revealed because he's also oh god also right. into yeah he's also into crop circles. There's a crop circle mm-hmm. and then the crop circle turns out to be viral promo for a Silicon Valley product <laughs> launch. It's, a, it's a, like they etched their chip like their Pentium or whatever. Well, when they showed it, I was like, oh, it looks like a microchip. And oh, we're just calling microchips Pentiums yeah. always. I guess Good. it's a lower. Low, yeah, we're just using it. At, you know. yeah, yeah. How many Pentiums does your thing? I, I got it. Yeah, I, I got ten it. Pentiums in this uh, yeah. this laptop right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you expect it to be like he's putting his fist through a wall and like you know attacking the filmmaker or something. You keep like you said, like you do keep waiting for that other shoe of craziness to drop and of him like, but not really. I mean, like it never yeah, actually. Yeah, it doesn't happens. actually like, happen. He seems kind of like a sort of just a regular weirdo he's just a pure enthusiast and like that's yeah, what I, that's what i liked too. about it like i just got into like hanging out you know in this in this dude's space and also it's just like a weird sort of like monterey i mean it's about like the gentrification of monterey a little bit too it's like oh this used to mm-hmm. be a weird place for weirdos and art people and now it's like just for millionaires who make money in silicon valley I just think every every thread, not every thread, one of the threads I wish had been pushed harder. I didn't mind. Movie. I was just like, I'm on a little weird, a little weird, a little weird, trip. weird day trip, <laughs> day trip to Monterey. I loved all his weird names for the different types of spaceships. 
What, what was the one? It was like, like the light ships. We've and been like... adopted by a major light ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's showing, they're showing me all, all of their shit. And then like he does, I like when he, cause he's also a filmmaker. So he does the Orson Welles voice sometimes like on the journey into, <laughs> I will now play you a little music. Like it, it's, I, yeah, I, I cannot recommend this more highly. It's called the curse of the man who sees UFOs. And it's on Netflix. Next week, we're, we're talking about... Planet Earth 2, which is the name of a BBC documentary about right. planet Earth, but Not also the second better Earth that we're leaving to. The name of the second better to. Earth we're going to have to <laughs> evacuate to. <laughs> Are we going to watch... Should we watch Planet Earth 2, a double feature of that, and Another Earth starring Britt Marling? A.E. Oh, <laughs> my wife Jen saw uh, Britt Marling at a restaurant yesterday, and she did not know she did not know Britt Marling's name, but she was like, "I sat next to the OA," <laughs> which I thought was really funny because like I don't know if that's her name on the show, but it's just that she is now like she's that <laughs> she's forever the OA. Sorry, Britt Marling, we love you. Anyway, keep watching the skies, keep listening to North Hollywood, uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It seems like a thing that you would never do, I know, but it actually helps people uh, find out about this show and get excited about it. So go do that. And thank you very much for listening. Write in with whether you saw UFO this week. Just write anything in that field. UFO PP. <laughs> this episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.